A welcome to the Sourced Week in Review podcast. Another week has gone by and we'll have a chat about some things that have caught our eye in the world of audience engagement, communications, whatever you want to call it. My name is Michael Crutcher and joining me as always, Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. How's the week been? It's been good. It's actually been busy this week. I was a bit crook at the start of the week as well. Yeah, we all got sort of struck down a bit. <laughs> yeah, there's been a bit going around, hasn't yeah. there? But we're good for Friday. We're good so for Friday. Got to make the podcast. That's right. We can't miss that. And we actually, podcast. we'll go back to the start of the week to talk about our first um, issue, which was a really interesting one at the start of the week. Now, this is going to be a section on why media outlets publish stories mm-hmm. And not publish stories because at the start of the week or last Saturday it was, it's the Sydney Morning Herald in its, uh, I guess call it its gossip column, um, had a piece about Rebel Wilson and written by their gossip writer, their main writer there. And it was a piece on Rebel Wilson and they said that uh, they knew that Rebel Wilson had a same-sex partner. The right. first time she had a same-sex partner mm-hmm. and they had sent an email to her management saying they knew about it and they were preparing to write a story on that and would uh, Rebel or her management like to comment on it. Um, now, as it turns out, after that email was sent, uh, Rebel decided to shock horror, um, <laughs> talk about her personal life on her own terms. You're kidding now, yeah, who would have thought, hey? Um, now, the gossip writer for the Sydney Morning Herald then on the Saturday morning um, described how he'd sent an email to it. He then wrote the words, big mistake. Wilson opted to gazump the story, posting about the news herself. Um, considering how bitterly Wilson complained about poor journalism standards previously. Her choice to ignore our discreet, genuine and honest inquiries was, in our view, underwhelming. Okay, okay. So this started what would then become quite a stir at um, the Sydney Morning Herald and also among the wider Australian media industry about how different organisations tackle personal news stories. Now... If you want a handle on how this went for the Sydney Morning Herald, (laughs) after that piece on Saturday, they would publish not one, not two, but three pieces defending what they'd done or explaining what they'd done or apologising for what they'd done. Now, as a former newspaper editor, uh, three pieces? Wow, that's a a mess. That's a lot. That's a real mess. And, you know, you're taught from a young age as a journalist, never make yourself the story. The story's never about you. You report on things, you don't become the story. The Sydney Morning Herald became the story. And when you read their explanations, um, to me it sounded like a a child explaining to their parent why they'd made a stupid decision. (laughs) Um, Lots of excuses and angles and an apology, but there's this part as well. Right. In this situation, the reader's like the parent of that uh, child. The reader's smarter, the reader gets it. They have to sit there and wonder why the child did that stupid thing. Here's what it comes down to. News outlets should be judged as much on the stories that they do publish as the stories that they don't publish. Mm -hmm. Now, 
that sends it may sound silly and well how can you judge an organization when you don't read a story well the flip side of a story you shouldn't publish is the sydney morning herald last saturday <laughs> that's the flip side of it it was just a poor decision it looked bad and it made the herald look a lesser paper than it should be but here's why the herald did it in my viewpoint they're caught in this world of needing to have people paying to read their news so online yep. subscribers who pay yep. uh, an amount every week or month mm-hmm. or whatever versus the need to get traffic to your website okay yep. so now when you do celebrity news as in rebel wilson has a same-sex partner yep. you know that it gets good traffic to websites we know this we've spoken on this many times on this podcast Okay, so here's where the decision makers in newsrooms are trying to juggle how they get that traffic on the website, but how they get subscribers. And that's the crux of the problem. They're competing goals. Okay, they're competing goals. You can't do both. Okay, the SMH last week tried to get uh, traffic, but it's also trying to get subscribers all the time, like most news outlets. As a subscriber, when you pay for something, you expect to get an experience that those who don't pay don't get. Yes. Okay, And some news websites do that user experience really well. They treat their users to a crafted experience that you have to pay to, to get. Mm-hmm. They're not as worried about the traffic as much because they're more worried about subscribers. That's yep. some. Now, others are caught in the bind of not having enough subscribers to pay for their journalism. Um, so they're also relying on revenue from stories that generate traffic and therefore ads and eyeballs. Now, to do that, we know that the default thing is to get trashy stories, okay? Yep. That's the default thing. Mm-hmm. But those trashy stories are available everywhere. Every website runs them for free. You don't need to pay to get those. Right. And that's the situation that they caught in. So this is not going to end for news outlets anytime soon. This problem will persist because the financial battles in some news outlets are real and they will remain real and maybe even worse for some times to come. So you have to choose what you're going to do. Okay, are you going to be a subscriber experience or are you going to be one that just chases traffic like the Daily Mail does? The Daily Mail is a shameless traffic chaser. <laughs> okay, it doesn't care. Heaps of celebrity and that's the way it goes. But yep. it's upfront about that. Now, it gets heavily criticised in the media industry for that, but I don't think the Daily Mail cares less about that. They care about the traffic and they get plenty of it. The other news outlets, they've got to find where they sit on that. Not all, just some. Um, the SMH last week gave us a classic lesson in how you can't be a major traffic chaser and also try and have a reputation that gets you online subscribers because when you do that, those things happen. I'm interested in what you thought of that after my long ramble there, Jordan, my rant and ramble. What did you think of that whole situation? That Rebel Williams, uh, Wilson sorry, situation, I mean, I recognise that celebrity gossip yeah, news even has its place because, yeah, you're right, it does convert to clicks. But um, I, I reckon that story could have been left off. Um, I understand it was intended to be that happy story as he wrote. Um, but my first reaction when I saw the headline was, okay, good for her, but who cares? Yeah, that's right. You know? It's, you and I don't. The article was um, that was published instead ended up becoming this sort of schoolyard caddy so have this that schoolyard caddy feel to it, and you wonder how that sort of story makes it through to the final print there. Um, so, what I, what I take is that I think we expect 
better from journalists, but maybe in this age where clicks are critical to some of their survival, that maybe that's naive thinking. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you've still got some journalists who were brought up with really no metrics. And mm-hmm. it's hard to think that an industry like journalism, it was only up until recent times they really had KPIs, key performance indicators, because say when it was just newspapers, who knew who read newspapers? I mean, who knew uh, in the yeah. sense of what page did they stop on? Like who knew if they were spending lots of time on page three or page five or whatever, you didn't know. With online uh, metrics, you know the traffic, you know the number of hits, how long they're spending on stories, etc. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it's gone from not much data to a stack of data. Lot, yeah. yeah, and and how do you weigh all that up? Look, it's tough. I I'm, I had the luxury of being someone who edited newspapers. Um, you know, getting close to a, a decade ago, I had mm-hmm. the luxury of the financial situation being a bit different then. But what hasn't changed is the stories that you publish and the stories you don't publish and the reasons for that. I don't care what the situation is with finances, you still got to have a judgment call on that. And to me, the stories you don't publish is such an important part of your reputation and, you know, how you go about, I guess, engaging with your readers. So, look, I just found that whole thing last week fascinating um, and it's easy from the outside, I know that. It's really easy to do that but... Um, you know, which brings us to this next topic, which is something we often look at, Jordan, which are the top Facebook publishers for a f- particular month. You've got the May data in, and we just mentioned the Daily Mail before, and of course the Daily Mail figures in um, the May Facebook data. They do, yeah. So looking at May, the um, Daily Mail for the third straight month is the top publisher on Facebook. Um, they achieved just over 40 million engagements on their content um, interestingly, the Daily Mail had almost double the engagement of any other publisher on the list, which is pretty impressive. Second spot was legit, and I don't mean that that statement was <laughs> legitimate. It's, it's a Nigerian digital media and news platform. They, uh, they achieved 22.7 million engagements. And then third on the list was the Mirror UK with 17.7. Now... The Daily Wire, if you've listened to the other episodes we look at these, usually features in that first or second spot. But in May, they fell spectacularly to fifth uh, with just 14.9 million engagements. That's which is really interesting. Yeah, down from 23 million in April. So if we look away, or sorry, look deeper then into what sort of stories were among the top yeah. for the month. Always interested in these ones, so yes. here we go. What there, did people click on for yeah, the month? Yeah, so there were, very, there were four very clear themes among those top articles. So the first was the Uvalde school shooting. Uh, second was Goodfellas actor Ray Liotta's death. Uh, the Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp aftermath. <laughs> and the uh, the Russia as a topic and sort of extension of the ongoing conflict. They were the four main themes. Okay, so our celebrity stuff comes out pretty big there in Ray Liotta, his death, and of course Heard versus Depp. It's up there all the time. So um, yeah, yeah. So the the, the League Supreme Court decision with um, about Roe versus Wade was actually the second most popular article on that list. But it only featured the once in the uh, the top articles, whereas these other four main topics featured a few times. Yeah. Now, if we wanted to have a look at the Daily Mail just to see what worked really well, Russia was the major focus of their three top stories. 
Um, they, they have focused on Russia itself or in some way. So the most popular mentioned Elon Musk claiming he was being threatened for opening a Starlink access in Ukraine. See, I was going to ask you, what <laughs> role does Elon Musk play? Elon is always involved somehow. So that, that <laughs> particular story was just... Um, 437,000 engagements, pardon me. Um, The other two of their top stories was about a new profile picture app that shared data with Moscow and a Russian-Belgian Malinois dog who allegedly switched sides (laughs) after it was found abandoned by Ukrainian soldiers. So The dog switched sides? The dog switched sides. Can you believe it? Did they have an interview with the dog? No, I don't believe they did. So this is sources (laughs) of claim the dog switched sides. Yes, yes, yes. So I've I've put in there alleged just (laughs) just to be safe. And I thought dogs were loyal. I know, I know. It sort of goes against everything we believe in in the dog, don't we? It's the power of the opposite. We talk it about is. that. It is. It's another key thing, uh, part yep. of news. Um, the other major topic that drew in large engagement was the um, obviously the tragic mass shooting event in Uvalde, Texas. Yeah. The two leading stories there were... Um, it was a story that described the event and then featured live updates as that story yeah. continued to develop. And then the other was a story about the husband of a teacher at the school who died of a heart attack days after. Okay. Yes. Now, what about this legit, the Nigerian news service? Because that is sort of quite stunning to me. It's made such a big appearance in those Facebook publishers. Um, what do we know about legit? Yeah, it's its its, its first time in the top three. It's in a Nigerian news outlet. And so they've managed to get into the top three with stories that generally focus on human interest, focused uh, around Nigerian individuals. Okay. So some examples of their popular stories was a man rode his bike from London to Lagos in 39 days, a viral mum selling water, a music concert, a woman, sorry, women celebrating, a woman, sorry, celebrating five years in the Nigerian Navy and then a student breaking down in tears after his parents missed his graduation ceremony. Well, very different to... Uh, there's no Elon Musk there. I wondered if uh, the no, guy riding no from Elon London there. on his bike stopped in to see Elon on the way, but he hasn't. No Elon Musk there, unfortunately. Right. Um, and so that's... You know, let's just take a look at how that goes over the coming months because, um, you know, sometimes these things have, you know, have got to establish some trend or there's reasons behind why there might be a spike over a... Mm-hmm a particular month, but um, that is always a good barometer to check out what people are looking at. Now, also, we mentioned Facebook, and it's worth talking about some comparisons now between Facebook and TikTok. Yes. What's the latest on that? Uh, there's a, um, a memo that went out in late April to Meta uh, employees with sweeping implications, and it was make the apps feed more like TikTok. So there's been growing concerns at Meta that they're not doing enough to compete with TikTok and that comes after Facebook admitted it was slow to see the competitive threat of TikTok. So following that memo, uh, there were a number of conversations that took place including uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Meta have decided to rethink the feed entirely. So there's three key changes that are happening. So the, the main tab 
will become a mix of stories and reels, which is very similar to what Instagram sorry Instagram has reels. Yep. And Snapchat has stories. They're trying yep. to combine the two to compete with TikTok that way. That'll start at the top of your feed, followed by posts. It's Discovery Engine, it being Facebook, uh, recommends from both Facebook and Instagram. So you'll start to see a combination of the two. The other change will be the platform will become a more visual video heavy experience with right. clearer prompts for users to direct message each other. Okay. So the big feature on TikTok that drives engagement is sharing. So you quickly on a video, there's a button that yep. send it to your mate. Oh, I know I did that a lot. Uh, and then to complement that sharing feature, they're going to make messaging even more prominent. So Facebook will place your messenger inbox at the top right of that app, of the app which will actually undo the infamous decision to separate the two apps eight years ago. So they're the main changes. Look, my thoughts on this are that the the changing of the algorithm is probably the biggest thing. And the change is that Facebook is going to recommend content to users from anywhere in the world, like TikTok does, instead of from friends or pages that that you've liked. Now, Facebook famously changed the algorithm in 2018 to show less from yeah. publishers. We discussed that previously. And bring more from friends into yeah. the newsfeed. Had a massive impact. Yes. So this latest change looks to, to me to be a step back to that pre-18 model. And my understanding is that engagement is their top goal, which you know is what they, uh, they, they, they see they're losing to TikTok. Now, while Meta has said that they hope these changes might lure back younger audiences. I'm really hoping that this brings back engagement, particularly for creators. Uh, I have personal experience in this, that Facebook has been horrendous for creators and just the average user in general, trying to generate some engagement on the platform. And it's meant that they've had to go find it elsewhere and TikTok has been a great place to find it. It's really good at rewarding uh, yeah, awarding engagement to creators who post a lot and even if you're an everyday user you wouldn't be surprised to get a couple thousand views on a, on a TikTok of your, your yeah, pet right. for example um, so I'm, I'm really doubtful that these changes that are happening at Facebook at Meta will have that profound impact it's hoping for they're T- not afraid to make changes they're are not they? afraid but I think this is a bit desperate yeah, this, and I, this certainly seems more desperate I don't mean that in a positive way either. Even sometimes posting things through Facebook mm. um, becomes quite different to what it's been previously. It can be difficult to follow at times. Yeah. Um, you can lose oh, – this is, but I might be clunky on this <coughs> – but it just seems very hard at times to post – create content and posts – Oh, it is compared to others. It is like you've got the the meta suite now. Whereas yeah. Previously, you could just go onto your page and you can still post a video or a photo. But if you really want to post it properly, which has the you know the tags in it, captions and all, you've yeah. got to go into the suite there. It's not a good experience. And it's it is clunky in there. It's it's yeah. it's overwhelming the amount there is to click on. And then even if you go to make ads, that is infinitely worse. Yeah. Um. So yeah, look, I just. I think Facebook's trying to be too many things and, yep. and it's lost sort of, it lost its bearing. Um, and with 
with TikTok, I think it's just really sunk its teeth into that younger generation. I don't see kids wanting to go back to what they clearly see as the older person's platform. Yeah, that's it. And you mentioned there too that um, Facebook admitting that it was slow to see the competitive threat of TikTok. Mm. Um, you know, you, you look at these um, disruptors and they come in, you know, with these great ideas, which Facebook did have. Mm. And, you know... It's a complete change in culture to go from being a disruptor to being the entrenched one. Yep. It's a big change in culture. And I'm often interested in how these different um, platforms then go about, you know, just go and buy that up, you know. Yeah, well, that's Facebook's trademark. Yeah, just buy it up, <laughs> etc. But it becomes really hard to do that. And I, I must say, I don't think that... Um, Facebook, um, it still gets traffic. We know that. It's still, yeah, it's yeah. still a behemoth. Um, but it's certainly – it gives me the impression of being rattled by the likes of TikTok. And mm-hmm. we know there'll be another TikTok to come along in next to no time. That's it. And it'll reshape things as well. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on some of those observations because, uh, yeah, how do you get kids back from the likes of TikTok when it's vibrant, it's easy to use, um, it's shareable – often hear kids sit there laughing at things that their friends have shared with them it, it's it's changed the boundaries in some ways and facebook yeah they, they look as though they used to be the cool kid trying to keep up yeah and look it's going to be very important for them to try and get back these younger users to particularly with metaverse approaching that's going to be really driven by younger users but if there's none there to drive it then you've got older people trying to figure out how to navigate this digital world and I don't think it's going to go too well. <laughs> well, I hope Metaverse is better than uh, the suite. Oh, yeah, God, I hope so too. We may go into the Metaverse and never come out. Yeah, yeah, but it's a very real possibility. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. How's the weekend look? Uh, pretty quiet weekend this weekend, actually. I've got a friend's birthday tomorrow, but I've, I've done most of my gigs this week, which is great. So I, uh, I've got a mostly relaxing weekend but i'm gonna start some packing soon too we, we, we're shifting in a month's time so got a few jobs to start there the dreaded move i hate it oh, i hate it so much but we'll look Shannon's, forward to discussing that, good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stick to your strengths i will enjoy the weekend you too